So let's pray and begin by praying and then let's connect the suffering and the pandemic and the preaching of the word of God and watch in the year to come the mystery of divine purpose of what he does in the hearts and lives of people. So let's pray together. So Father, we come joyfully. We come earnestly before you. And we come from different stations in life. We come from different experiences in life. But we all come to worship. And to say, you're our God. And we are desperately, desperately thankful that we are your people. We pray today as we think on the word of God and we allow the word of God to sink into our hearts and our lives and into our experiences that we might live out Jesus Christ in a very practical way, that we might lift him up in a thousand different ways in this week through our talk, through our behavior, through our ministry to other people, through our work, through our play, through our education, that Jesus Christ might be the very focus and center of who we are as people. And we pray for that, Lord, as your purpose unfolds and continues to unfold in the days to come. And we pray this in your most holy name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I know from personal experience, by the way, I'm upset somebody was sitting in my seat when I came. (laughs) I'm having trouble coming down from that. I had to sit over here. I barely can preach. I know from personal experience and from the Word of God, and I love the Word of God, that God calls and creates proclaimers of His Word. He calls and He, he uses us in unbelievable ways through suffering, through preaching, and through prayer, and we minister to one another. Uh, and he always has a witness. God always has a witness. You know the passage of Scripture, if you will not give me praise, what does he say? The rocks will cry out. He will have a witness. It's going to be us or it's going to be his creation. The rocks will cry out. There are some here today who know that God changed the entire course of your life by putting you flat on your back in the hospital. Some of you know that experience. You've been there. He took out self and he replaced it with a desire and a passion that has never ceased since that time for you to hallow and proclaim his name in your life. And he's changed the course of your life. And you're living the scripture that his mercies are new every morning, right? His mercies are new every morning. And every loss is temporary And every victory is forever. It's forever. There are thousands of influences of God. God moments, we can call them, whatever you want to call them. They're God moments that come into our lives. And in the economy of God, one river flowing in the future gets dammed up. 
and another river opens up. That's how God works. It opens up. And God's purposes, God's kingdom is realized in our life. Lives are changed and our eyes are open to the mystery of God and that divine plan that he has. Let me give you an example of this river thing that I was just talking about. It's in Acts, the seventh and eighth chapter. You know this passage of scripture. We read this. As they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. One river closed. One river closed. Now God's witness. God will always have a witness. The scripture continues. And there arose on that day, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Another river opened. And Jesus said, and he was speaking to these disciples in the first chapter of Acts, he says, go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And they were still in Jerusalem. So he dislodges them from Jerusalem, leads them into his mission through suffering and the persecution of the church. Stephen's death and the spreading persecution. So whether it's persecution in the first century or the pandemic, of 2020, God puts his people in mission. God puts us in mission. Another means is ministry of the word of God. God lives in his people, in the church. Now, what does this have to do with our text? And the text today that I wanted to deal with is in Matthew 6. It's the thing of hallowed be thy name. How would be thy name? How would be your name? Jesus said, pray like this. Pray like this. I want you to stand. And we're going to read through the Lord's Prayer. Let's read it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. Now repeat with me, if you will. The grass withers. No, no, no. You know where I'm going. Together. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. But thank you for that. Very obedient. You're very obedient. The, right, the word of God, rightly understood, rightly understood, is a gift that came to us through suffering. This word that we have today. Christ had died on the cross, so there's no higher honor to the early Christians. No higher honor than to 
go through what he went through, to imitate his death. So in the first three centuries of the church, the persecutions were fierce. History tells us that the gladiators were there in the Colosseum and Christians were slaughtered by the thousands. Lions in the circus Maximus, stake burnings at the forum. I mean, they just had arenas where Christians were dragged. Believers were forced into a secretive type of existence, living on the margins of society, meeting in the catacombs, in the caverns, and yet they persevered. They persevered. Tertullian said this, very famous saying, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. For years, the church on American soil has enjoyed relatively little affliction. But that's an anomaly in church history. That's not what others have experienced. And those days seem to be passing more quickly than we expected. The insight from this text, as we look at it this morning, came in a difficult time in my life. And I've looked at this text, and I, and I love this, this, this scripture. Um, and you don't need to know the details. i got a checkered past. Just, let's just say it. Let's get it out. You, know, you don't need to know the details. But be encouraged to know that when you walk through painful times in your life, when you go through difficult seasons of your life, remember, that's what David said, the valley of the shadow, right? The valley of the shadow. One of the gifts of God that he may have for you is to see things, again, in his word that you've never seen before. So let me share this from my own experience of what I've been through for one of those things in my life that I've passed through. Going into that difficult time, I made the discovery that, that hallowed be your name, and I looked at that hallowed be your name because I wanted to lift him up. Along with your kingdom come and your will be done, were not, as I had thought for years, acclamations of praise. Just their praise. But in fact, they were petitions. In fact, they were requests. They were pleadings. Oh God, cause your name to be hallowed. Oh God, cause your kingdom to... Oh God, cause your will to be done. Make it happen. Make it happen. And I understood that. I also understood that the Lord's Prayer had two sets of three petitions. I mean, it's divided very simply, very nicely. The first set of petitions, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. The second set of petitions, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as far as I could see, the second set of petitions served the first set. They, they enhanced and they served that first set. I need daily bread to live. I need forgiveness because I'm a sinner. I need protection from temptation from Satan. And then with, see it? Now watch how it serves it. With a bread-sustained life, a forgiveness-freed conscience, a heart protected from the evil one, I can throw myself into hallowing the name. 
You see it? I can throw myself into that, hallowing the name of God, seeking the kingdom, doing his will. That's the way I saw this prayer. And basically, I think that's right. I think that's right. But I overlooked something. Something profound. Uh, and you know I like to read, the, the guys I read and study from are the dead guys, right? I like the dead guys. Thank you. The first petition. The first petition. This is what I discovered as I was reading it, as I thought about this. The one we're, we're focusing on this morning, how will be your name, is not just one of three in the top petitions. It's different. It's different from the other two that are in the group. In this petition, cause your name to be hallowed, we hear the specific response of the human heart that God requires of all human beings. He requires this. It's the hallowing, the reverencing, the honoring, the esteeming, the admiring, the valuing, the treasuring of who God is at the core of who he is. Above everything else, you shall not take the name of the Lord. Go back all the way, right? To the beginning. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. And then all through the prophets and all through the Psalms, all through the wisdom literature, and we come into the New Testament, Jesus is saying, treasure it. So what I told you then, so I'm telling you now. Don't, don't fuss with the name of God. Treasure it, treasure it. And one of the other five requests tells us, none of the others, tells us explicitly to pray for a specific response of the heart. None of them. This is a response of the heart that we have to God. The coming of God's kingdom gives rise to the response of the heart, right? Gives rise to it, but the response is not named. The doing God's will includes a response to the human heart because I'm doing it, but it's not named. The daily bread sustains life so that we can give a response to the heart, but it's not named. Being forgiven of our debts frees us for a response, but the response is not named. Being delivered from evil unleashes a powerful response, but it's not named. But in the first petition, it's named. Hallowed, hallowed, God's name. The act of the human heart adoring him, loving him, hallowing his name. Now, what does that mean? That's an old word. Matter of fact, even in the new translations, they still use it because they can't find something to replace it. They can't find an equal to it. It's the very same word in the Greek as sanctify. What does sanctify mean? Sanctify your name. Make it holy. Set it aside. It's holy. It's different. It's not like anything else. It's sanctified. Sanctify your name. Your name is holy. Or since we don't actually make God's name holy, we don't do that. It's not our stuff. We're to value it as holy because it is. God is holy. Esteem is holy. Treasure the name is holy. Treasure that with all your heart. And holy in reference to God means infinitely value 
Because he's one of a kind. He's one of a, there's none like him. He's in a class all by himself. His holiness is utterly unique, infinitely pure, transcendent godness. It's godness. God's holiness, his holy name, is the supreme, absolute treasure of the universe. If you put God's infinite, pure, transcendent being on a balance, and we had a scale here, and we put the, 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 the holiness of God, the, the, the hallowedness of God on this part of the scale, and then on the other side of the scale, we put everything else in the universe, you know, whatever that is, the waters of the oceans, the sands of the deserts, the rocks of the mountain, the nations of mankind, all the princes, all the people, the galaxies, the universe, the demons of hell, the angels in heaven, on the other side of the scale, all the other things would go up in the air. Gone. Because of the weight of the holiness of God. The weight of the holiness of God. His name is the supreme, absolute treasure of the universe. At the name of Jesus, right? Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? Right? Um, go back to what was said in the book. Christianity is not about earthly comforts. Not about earthly comforts. Every knee shall bow. All other treasures are nothing in comparison to God. So hallowed be your name, when we look at it here, is a prayer. It's a yearning. It's a, it's a pleading to God's people, to God that God would cause his name to be hallowed, reverence, esteemed, all the words that we can use, cherished, all the words that we can use, only the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for the explicit act of the human heart to respond to God's holiness. You hallow it. You revere the holiness of the name of God. Honor it. Admire it. Jump in. Jump in. And that's what I saw at a difficult time in my life. And when I added the fact that only this petition from Scripture, as I, looked, as I looked at it, explicitly calls on God to produce a response of the heart, my heart, at this time in my life, and that this petition is first in the Lord's Prayer. It's first in the Lord's Prayer. And that the term, your name, Hallowed be your name comes closer than your kingdom or your will to expressing the character of God, right? We're expressing the character of God here, the person of God or the essence of God himself. It dawned on me that this petition at the beginning is the main point of the prayer. It's the main point of the Lord's prayer. All the others are meant to serve this. So the structure of the prayer, if we want to get into a theological structure here, is not merely that the last three petitions serve the first three petitions, which they do, but that the last five serve the first. They all serve the first. So it became clear to me 
that nothing is more clear, nothing is more unshakable than that purpose of the, the, the universe is for the hallowing of God and his name and needs to be my one passion. That needs to be my passion. My passion. That I should hallow his name in my life and the things that I do, the things that I say. Uh, uh, Jesus did that. You know, he said that about his, his relationship with Father. I do only what the Father tells me to do. One holy passion. To be obedient to my holy Father. And we follow in his steps, do we not? One great passion to hallow the name and his kingdom comes for that. The kingdom is for that, to hallow his name. His will is done for that, right? His will is done for that. Humans have bread-sustained life for that. To hallow the name. Sins are forgiven for that. Temptation is escaped for that. And I thought, Lord, Lord, grant that I would in my weakness and in the struggle, in the limitations, remain close. That the theme of my life is your magnificence. Your magnificence that I would give to the Lord God the glory that's due his name, and it's all said and done. The hallowing of God's name is the end, the final goal of everything. Of everything. And the church needs to capture that. Capture the glory of that. And the grand, overarching, all-embracing, all-persuasive theme of life, our life, is the magnificence of God, of who he is, his beauty, his worth. Pray that God would do this for you, for your family, for the church. That's what Jesus is telling us to do here. First in you, first in you, and then through you to the lives of other people, right? And among the nations that his name would be hallowed. And of course, all the other petitions that are here in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to, are essential for this to happen the way God wants them to happen. You know, his kingdom does not come. And if it doesn't come, his name will not be hallowed, right? If his will is not done, his name will not be hallowed. If we don't have food to keep us alive, our voice will disappear from hallowing God's name. If our sins are not forgiven, we perish in hell, and nobody hallows the name of God in hell. And if we are not protected from the evil one, we will join in hating the name of God like others, and we won't hallow the name of God. They're all essential. They're all essential. But they're not all ultimate. They all are means. They're not the end. There's only one ultimate end to everything. There's only one. We are delivered from evil for the hallowing of his name. We are forgiven of our sins for the hallowing of his name. We are given bread-sustained life for the hallowing of his name. We do the will of God for the hallowing of... To submit to God's rule for the hallowing of his name. Jesus pushes this. Recognizing the Father 
and who he is and that magnificence uncomprehendable to our finite minds of who he is. And this is why you get in scripture says, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, whether you do everything to the glory of God. Why? Because this is it. This is ultimate. The glory of God is ultimate. And that's why he says that in other passages. It's the ultimate aim of God. All other aims of God serve this point. The hallowing, the treasuring, the loving of God's name. In eternity, we will hallow the name of God not as a means for anything. The hallowing of God's name is the end. The final goal of all things. Missions exist for the hallowing of God's name. The evangelion, the spreading of evangelism, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for the hallowing of God's name, isn't it? To bring his name out there, to share his name with other individuals. When Jesus came to the final hour, now just just, just look at this, and, and he knew he was about to die and he was going to rise again and unleash a tidal wave of salvation. Do you remember how he, 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 he brought his troubled soul, it was, a, it was a, a painful time for him, into alignment with God's ultimate purpose? You remember? He's in John 12, 27th verse. He says this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. To be sure, to be sure, Christ came into the world to save sinners. But what did this salvation ultimately mean? What did it mean? What does your salvation ultimately mean? For this purpose, I have come to this hour, Father, what? Glorify your name. What's your salvation mean? Cause your name to be magnified, treasured in our house, in countless disciples and believers of Jesus Christ, to every tribe and tongue and people and nation, lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which brings us back to where we started. Jesus pursued the hallowing of God's name through suffering and death. And he's still doing that. Don't waste the pandemic. Don't waste the pandemic. Don't waste the 10,000 divine influences that are happening every day that come into your life that make you who you are. Don't waste them. Because God's moving. He closes one river and he opens up another river in your life. And he's always moving to glorify the Father. 10,000 divine influences that make you what you are and who you are today. And that's where I am today in my life. So many things have happened that have brought me here. And uh, my future, my day-to-day is not what it used to be because of the pandemic. My day-to-day is not what it used to be. Practical application of this, and I I apologize to my my good, good friend Andy, this is a, something I saw that he posted just the other day that I thought really is the end of what I wanted to say. The end of what I want to say. 
That's Laura in the hospital with little Briella. That uh, they went through a difficult time this week, and, and they're they're all home now, and that's good. But he made this statement. He was talking about his wife that was there doing this ministry to their little one. He said this: "Who you see is not really who you are seeing. Her strength in this fight, and the next one is not her own." Her wisdom for each decision, big and small, does not come from her. Her relentless drive to battle every single day for her children comes from an outside source. The hope in her eyes and the joy in her voice is because she trusts the one who has never broken a promise or left her side. The love, grace, and patience that she has in all coming from the one who always fights for her chases after her, never gives up, never leaves, never quits. The love she has is only because of Jesus, who first loved her before she could even say the word love. Thank you, Jesus, for my wife. Thank you for giving her everything she needs every single day to be an incredible mom. What you see in her is pretty awesome. Because her Savior is amazing. That, my friends, in practicality, is hallowing the name of Jesus Christ in life. That's hallowing the name. And we all have our own stories going on out here. We all have our own stories. But there's one ultimate purpose in the Lord's Prayer and in the history of the world, and the endless stretches of eternity, and that's hallowing the name, treasuring, loving the name of God, and what he's doing in our hearts, and the worth and the greatness, and all he is for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's an amazing Savior, an amazing Savior. And he says, pray like this. Pray like this. Make this the aim of your life, all of you, all of you. Make this the aim of your life and then watch the mystery of God's providence as he makes us all carriers of light to one another. The love of God that burns through us the evangelion, the good news of Jesus Christ in thousands of different ways. In the church, in the community, to a confused and a troubled world. Hallowed the name. Hallowed the name. Let's pray together. Father, what can we do but get on our knees? Who, who, who are we, Lord, that you care? That you would be mindful? Who are we? like the grass that withers. Here today, gone tomorrow. You came to bring life. Eternal life. And how can we not praise you? How can we not glorify you? How can we not thank you?
Father, we stretch our lives out before you and you see it all. Lord, you know I'm not where I need to be. Touch us again. Open the scriptures to our hearts. Open our minds to your truth. Teach us to love what you love. To care about what you care about. To think thoughts that are pleasing to you. In all of life, whether we're in a hospital bed or at school or at work, that we are lights in this world and that we represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Help us to do that with integrity. Help us to do that with an overwhelming depth of love that your glory, that your holiness, that your magnificence, that your greatness would just overwhelm us each day. And that we sing and make melody before the Lord and we dance before the Lord in thanksgiving for a salvation that's so great. We thank you today, Lord, for speaking to us as you talk to your disciples. This is the way you need to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. And let it come. Let the rivers open. Let thousands of God moments speak to us that we represent you correctly. We pray for that, our Father, as we glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.